What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Well, good afternoon, everybody. My golly, uh, here we are, April, April. My gosh, I can't believe that. April 6th, the first Monday in April, 2020. I think a lot of us have been confused and normal routines upset because of the current situation globally and in some very hot pockets here in the United States. And I've just been, when I breeze through social media, it's interesting to see the change in tone of some people's posts from what they were normally posting before. And uh, it's, we're all, each and every one of us as individuals have different experiences happening, uh, depending on where you live and how you live. And so uh, uh, these are challenging times. I was just talking to my associate. Interesting. Nobody thinks about this. The elections for city council in Lake Geneva have been canceled. They were to, they were to be... Somebody has, uh uh-oh, what's going on here? Somebody has two things open or something. Maybe it was Brianna. Okay. Anyway, city council elections are not going to happen. Of course, some people have mailed in ballots. The current city council, their terms of office are up on the 12th. And they've also been able to, in the last 24 hours, get things that they can have meetings that nobody can attend because of the coronavirus. And there are some major things to be voted on that impact the residents of that city. It doesn't affect me out here in California, but it's kind of interesting how something is smaller that. And then the other thing about the city council is uh, their source of revenue is going to dry up. Uh, amazing. You know, this, those are things we don't think about. We think about our own lives, our own businesses, but this is impacting our communities further than just the individuals. Anyway, enough of that stuff about coronavirus. Joanne Nesbitt is here from Florida. Joanne Nesbitt, N-E-S-B-I-T-T dot com. Nancy Lou Henderson dot com from Sweeney, Texas. The always exciting and lots to share person, Mr. Jeff Beeman, who is a marketeer extraordinary. Jeff and I go back many years. Uh, He was a regular on this show when it first started. And Jeff has applied action to things that we discussed here regarding marketing, setting up businesses, and so on. And I know Jeff is going to have some fun things to share. We have Lou McIntyre. Uh, historical novelist par excellence. That's Lewis McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E.com, I believe. Brianna Rush from just fantastic artist and author. She's joined us from Arizona, and I believe her site is Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A, Rush.com, I believe. 
And this is Chuck Bartok from chuckbartok.com speaking to you from the banks of the Sacramento River in beautiful Northern California. I'm happy to uh, announce that our county, uh, kind of a decent-sized landmass, it's twice the landmass of the state of Rhode Island, uh, 69,000 uh, residents, and we've had one reported case of the virus, and that was two weeks ago. So we consider ourselves fortunate, and we hope that that continues, and we hope that wherever you live, things are slowing down or not happening. I think that's really important. Um, one of the topics, oh, go ahead, Lou, did you have something to pop in? No, that was, that was Karen. Oh, Karen. clawing at the carpet. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I got an email from one of my favorite newsletters. I don't know if everybody has subscribed to socialmediaexaminer.com. They have a very active Facebook presence, Twitter, and the whole group. I have been very close to them for several since they started, actually. And they have taken social media training uh, to the next level. They have a, they just had a, a, a big, before all this happened, had a meeting in San Diego where people flew from around the world. But they came up, Jill Stanton, who's on their staff, April 6th today, came up with an article on their website, socialmediaexaminer.com. How to use a pop-up Facebook group. Now, believe it or not, I never knew about a pop-up Facebook group. The headline grabbed me, want an effective way to promote limited time offers or events. Have you considered a temporary Facebook group? And the article goes on to tell you how to do it, when to use it. Unlike regular groups, a pop-up group is a limited time experience. Members have the opportunity to learn more about you, your company and problems with the intention of generating sales for a specific service or offering, think of it as a pre-launch event. And again, I'm going to, I'm not going to spend your time uh, discussing all the uh, uh, ins and outs. There's a great video by Jill on that site. Uh, I'll briefly give you the five tips. Choose the time frame for your pop-up Facebook group. Lots to say about that. Promote your pop-up Facebook group to build a community. Add a link to your website navigation bar. Think about it. See, they're talking about Facebook, but this is something a lot of us forget about, the intertwining. We're used to sending people from Facebook to our website. This is suggesting to send your website visitors to your Facebook. Share a link in your welcome email. Include a call to action on your Facebook cover photo. And you know, that's the horizontal header image that greets your page visitors. In the caption of that image, provide details of how to join your pop-up group. Um, interest, on your Facebook cover photo, that's your personal. Anyway, great article. Uh, has anybody, oh, engage your pop-up Facebook group? Well, that's standard procedure. Content to boost engagement. Uh, one of the biggest concerns people have is how do you create a group and will anybody engage in it? 
And types of content that work best for pop-up groups are all over the place. It has to do with your group, which I want to focus right now on. It is our job as authors who publish books and want to sell them. It's our job to find out where our market hangs out. Because I don't think that information is readily available because each and every person on this call has certain market niches. For instance, Karen's books, I, I enjoy them, but there's a group that would probably be more apt to enjoy her books than another group. And therefore, we take our time and energy and, and try our best to get ourselves there. Planned theme posts, go live in your group. Uh, they're suggesting using the live video. And create polls. Solicit ideas for your next blog. This is on the Facebook pop-up group. Survey members to see what offers they might be interested in. Going back to one of my popular, the one, I, one of my favorite blog posts is asking. If we want to develop an active, viable tribe of eager readers who will buy our books, we're going to have to ask some important questions as to what they really want, uh, unless we already know all that. And of course, convert your pop-up Facebook members into customers, and then close your Facebook pop-up group. Interesting concept. Jeff's aware of this because we've talked about it marketing many years ago, and I think he's involved in some webinars right now. Uh, creates a bit of FOMO. Does anybody on the call right now have any idea what the acronym FOMO stands for? Nope. Nope. Well, fear of missing out. Uh. <laughs> it's really used big time in, you know, in setting up sales pages, uh, landing pages and marketing content, copywriting and everything else. So, again, the, what struck me about the concept of Facebook pop up groups is that it seems that it lends itself very well to an author who is getting ready to publish a book, just published a book, or wants to revive sales of books published in the past. Any thoughts or questions on the topic? Book launch. Very good. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff popped in with book launch. So again, what the concept is, it's a Facebook group. First of all, I guess, Joanne, you know what a Facebook group is, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And that is generally generated by your profile and tied closely to your page. Because what we do is we take page posts and then share them to the groups. Um, so groups are a little different than pages. They typically become a bit more engaged, uh, you know, if they're managed correctly. They do have to be monitored, however. That is one thing that a lot of people forget about because there can be some real nerdy, turdy people that get involved in groups and can ruin the uh, ambiance or the actual point. And, and we've all seen that. H have you guys been in groups that... Uh, 
just seemed to deteriorate because nobody actually monitored them? Raise your hands, all of you. Yes, sir. <laughs> anyway, uh, Karen and Lou, uh, I know both of you are involved in groups, correct? Uh, well, I manage um, two groups on my author's page. One is a history discussion group, mm -hmm. uh, which I haven't been real active on recently. And the other one is a physics discussion group, which I have been uh, the past several weeks. And, yes, I've uh, seen I use them uh, <clears throat> as an alternative to a blog. Mm -hmm. Very good. Excellent. Okay, Jeff says here in the in the uh, uh, chat room, a lot of my bigger eBay groups, if not, whoops, he went away. Why did he run away? I guess I better look at the chat here. Uh, a lot of my bigger eBay book groups, if not monitored, go way down a lot of messy rabbit holes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. Jeff is typing to us and not uh, uh, <laughs> not speaking to us, but that's okay. We don't mind. His wife's tired of hearing from him also. So, And Brianna mentioned earlier that she says that's a fabulous article. So she must have taken a moment and, and uh, checked the article out. Uh, I don't subscribe to a lot of newsletters. Uh, I do subscribe to things that interest me. I like to see what they offer because it's taking my time and energy to read them. And uh, I am constantly pairing or deleting uh, newsletters from my uh, email because unfortunately there's still a lot of marketers who think that I needed to be hit over the head every day to buy something. This is what I like about Social Media Examiner. By the way, an extremely, extremely uh, successful company. It is a company. It's not just, uh, I mean, they got a hell of a staff. There, you'll very seldom ever see, I, I would say about 10 to 15% of their time and energy is uh, spent selling their product and services. For instance, to go to their meetings costs money not only your, your cost of living and all that, but um, they, uh, you know, they uh, have other things. And uh, it's a company that's making a decent amount of money, thank goodness. So they, they have, uh, you know, their live show. They have a wonder, their YouTube channel. And I'm not, this is not an affiliate. I'm not making a dime. I just like the people. I have never attended a or watched a poor, what I would consider a poor YouTube presentation. The other thing they do every year is an industry report. Now, remember, this is social media management. And here's one back in May, which the 2020 will be out in May, 2019. I have that PDF. I've read it two to three times. Um, it's their 11th, 2019. Uh, they surveyed 4,800 marketers who reveal details about how they're doing things. And what does that mean to authors? Somebody answer my question, please. Why should we be concerned about what other marketers do? Whatever you can do to sell your book. Go ahead, Joanne. I said, whatever you can do to sell your book. They have there you go. Way. There you go. And uh, it... 
but this is the one thing that I've really enjoyed on this show is that those of you who have taken an interest and follow up, uh, you're interested in marketing your product. And we all realize that it doesn't happen automatically. You, you could write the world's classic, as many authors have, and they sat on the shelf until somebody picked them up and sold them. So that's really what this show is focusing on, is how does the author find the market and present to that market that which the market wants? And that's why I spent time on this social media marketing. Uh, I am going to investigate and look into, uh, I, I just read the email maybe an hour before, an hour and a half before I came on the show. So I haven't tried anything. Is it going to work? I don't know. Well, Chuck, Chuck, can I just Go add on. one? Sure. Come on in. Um, there are, um, I joined one, one group and um, they were very adamant that you don't, um, talk about your book or anything mm -hmm. i joined another book another group and they were at, they were they wanted that book on there and they were they wanted to know everything about it mm -hmm. that second group got interested in it the first group called me and said hey put your book up there <laughs> interesting interesting yeah, groups, and, and, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, marketing is important, but at the same time, as we've discussed and Nancy has shown, uh, it's a good thing to also contribute to the groups. Contribute information, contribute your experiences, share relevant content that is of, for instance, if I, this is just, this just came to my mind, if I were in a group right now, instead of on this call, that had to do with marketing or books and so on, marketing books, I would immediately refer them to social media marketing's uh, post. It doesn't do me any good. I, I'm not. It's not going to benefit me. I'm sending them off somewhere else. But if somebody grabs something from that, they might remember who shared that with them. And that's how we develop relationships and expand upon our relationships. So I really thank that. Thank you for that input, Joanne. That was great. Thank you. The um, Anybody else want to kick in here and share some ideas? Am I all by myself? Everybody's muted. Must be the no. Uh, by golly, Joanne and Lou and Karen are still alive. <laughs> yep, Karen had to check out, but I'm here. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, that was the major thing to share, and then a couple of other things. Um, I'm trying to add more content to my personal website, and I'm finding when I went back into my other desktop which has not been hooked up to the internet for a couple of years but it's still viable i don't need it hooked up to the internet to look at my libraries and i'm finding out that a couple of years ago when i was a lot younger and smarter i wrote some darn good stuff and i tend to forgot about it so what i'm doing is going through some of my own old archives of things that I wrote and talked about, audios that I made, 
And I'm trying to bring them up to date because, you know, when I talk about, wow, here's a report from 2010, I, I don't think I don't think too many people are going to be excited about that. But if I went back in and did the research to find out how 2010 compared to 2019, I have an easy access to create more content that might help people. And so just to share with you, that's another direction I've been taking in this coronavirus lockdown period. Going back into history. And because all of us have done great things in the past. And we've moved on because circumstances have changed and so on. But some of that information that you shared and created books that you poems that you might have written um, uh, years ago that you thought were really good then but you know kind of they're not cool now uh, it's content content for your website and content for social media so uh, that's kind of what i'm doing during the days and some of these when i read them i laugh but <laughs> uh, come on jeff what'd you have to say I just uh, wanted to add that this is called repurposing content, which you and yes. I have talked about a lot, you know, several times over over our time together. And you have done a fantastic job over the years of of keeping your content. I, on the other hand, have not no because way. I've restarted sites and blogs and so forth so many times. Uh, but it's fun to go back the the one platform that I use that I do have older content on is on YouTube and it it is fun to go back and see what you did five years ago that's still getting views possibly even leads and sales depending on what you were doing right and being able to bring that up to speed that same information that's that information lingers on it may change a little bit over the mm -hmm. years to how effective it can be but a lot of times your older content doesn't take much to update it and become new new content for you know things such as this live uh, uh facebook group thing that you're talking about mm -hmm. uh, which i think that's a very i i'm looking at that more and more and as as i was listening to you and i'm thinking wow that's that, that is a, a, a it's not a webinar scenario but you know yeah. all these people out there are doing if you're doing the book launches as an author or all these uh new business launches out there and um new product launches i should say and that is a fabulous way to get that accomplished because you know once you do a launch it kind of the stability of it kind of fizzles a little bit and the, it's always there but you, you always want that big build up and that facebook group is a great way to get that build up yeah and and again the i guess the emphasis that i have to delve into the article it's a short-term group it, it it's put up for a specific thing to happen a specific right. event and uh, I, I never thought about that you know we think about groups having all this history and that's another thing I was talking to a young lady who probably will be joining us soon not today but uh, I want you all to keep the name uh, Heidi Brenner in your mind this this woman is phenomenal uh, Nancy's had an opportunity to meet her uh, via telephone uh, she's writing a book and her story, I've mentioned it before, a lovely couple with eight children burned, purposely burned their house to the ground. 
because their house was totally infested with mold. And there have been deleterious effects on this family because of mold. But because of their deep faith and belief in themselves, they are restructuring their life. They're currently living in the basement of the burned house, modified basement. So can you imagine what this story is going to end up being like? I mean, I'm so excited. I spent time with her. She's starting to develop a website and she's writing the book, which is their journey during this period of time. They have not started their new home yet. Uh, it probably will as uh, the ground thaws and so on and so forth uh, break loose. But eight, I think the youngest is, I don't know, Nancy's muted, but I think the youngest is like 18 months old. So he was just born when this happened. So anyway, we were talking about uh, finding the market and content. And thank goodness she and her husband, without thinking about the book, without thinking, they took a, 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 a buku amount of pictures <laughs> over the last couple of years, which will be a fantastic content uh, introduction. And th this is not going to be repurposed. This is going to be brand new. But uh, I see that, uh, Phil, are you out there with us? Just quiet. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, uh, I'm here, I, and I can talk now. I'm uh, walking. Good. Sorry my voice is a little bad. I, I still have some sinus issues, so uh, kind of messing up my vocal cords. And didn't you have a – you said you had a problem with a, a webinar today? Oh, yes, you had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a two-hour – Usually my usually my presentations are like – 30 to 40 minutes max. No, they wanted two hours and I had to pee. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's this was a live this was a live Zoom room, correct? Yeah. So uh no, I just manned up, held it. Yeah. <laughs> Life is rough. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now here's a question though. In in an emergency like that. Would anybody feel, I wonder if anybody would feel untoward if you took a polite, excuse me. Uh, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with two. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I think the same rule to an ordinary pre uh, presentation would apply. If you're going to go over an hour, uh, you need to schedule a break for everyone to have a bio break because it doesn't do any <laughs> your presentation any good to have people getting up and leaving for me it was more so like management i wouldn't feel bad about it but to me it was the momentum of the meeting oh. means a big deal so in most cases i would have no problem but uh it was something where it was it's kind of a big deal where i'm working on so i just decided to chill out whatever <laughs> it is what it is yeah. It, yeah it's just not a good idea to go over long no matter how enthusiastic you are be, be considerate of your audience 
Good idea. And be considerate of yourself, too, because he was the poor guy hurting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right. Well, my lesson has been learned. <laughs> Very good. Hey, I have, forgot to ask you last time you were on, how are you coming along with your book of how to? Terribly. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just because I've never done it before. I'm... I'm still stuck in the beginning steps of like I have an I have an outline and I remember when I talked last time where people said you don't have to name the chapters but you have to at least create a basic outline mm -hmm. and I don't know I'm 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 just still not confident enough talking about myself you know what's weird is I'm okay with talking about sto telling stories on video, but when I write, I'm not confident. I got a question for you. Are you writing fiction or nonfiction? What's nonfiction? Uh, nonfiction. I'm writing about my experience, um, kind of growing up, and you know, it's almost. I don't want to say it's like a you know, autobiography or anything, not not quite that, but I'm I'm tailoring it towards a market, you know, teaching people how to market themselves um, or, and, or their businesses or whatever they do. But, so it's, but I can't, because my type of marketing changes so often, I have, I'm trying to tailor it to storytelling and um, things that will never change in the marketing world. Bill, I'd like to interject right there. I, have, I personally am of the firm belief that sales and marketing has not changed since the Carthaginian times. I don't care what technology we have. I don't care, you know, whether we make things mass manufacturing or, or whatever. Somebody comes up with a solution to a problem that somebody else has. That's the creation of the product. Before we do that, we have to find out if there is a problem. And that comes through social interaction. And, I'm, you know, let's go back to... Uh, let's go back to uh, 150 years ago. Uh, somebody lived in New York. People, they listened to people complain about X not being available. So somebody listened to that, went back into their cubicle and possibly came up with a solution and then, of course, they had to share that solution. So the basic principles of business, sales and marketing, have not changed. What's changed are the tools. Now, if I understand your story what, that you shared with me before, you're going to bring in your teenage years, your uh, you know, late teens, early college, that kind of thing, and what things you picked up and why you chose to do what you're doing. Because you've said it on this program and you said it on this program 10 years ago. 
you were asking questions then, remember? <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff is another example of this. I mean, Jeff then asked enough questions, found out that there were problems that people had, and he developed a system to solve that problem. The system of doing all this is the same. The products will change. The tools that are used will change. And we're in a very fluid tool system right now. But your book, How You Got to, From A to B, is a story almost any person on this call listening today, tomorrow, in the future have similar experiences unless they lived in a cave and never left it. So I, I just, I'm, I'm just trying to give a, an encouragement here. You, your story is already outlined. It's the repurposing as Jim, as Jeff used the word, it's the repurposing of your life. This is your life. Remember the old television program? Or maybe the guys no, <laughs> I think that was before me. Yes, before your time. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I, I definitely remember this is your life. I, in fact, our whole family, my two sisters, myself, and my parents, I can close my eyes and see us sitting around that wooden console TV watching This Is Your Life. Everybody else on this call has the same experience? I guess not. Well, anyway, does anybody remember this is your life? Yes. Yeah. But I think that was on a channel I didn't get. Oh, okay, Lou. Okay. All right. But you don't want this, us to admit it, do you? <laughs> well, why not? We're all friends. But but Jeff, I I would be more than happy to you know chat with you, you know, time off air and. Uh, because I know what your story is, and I think there's an awful lot of people that want to hear your story. I mean, you've what you've done now, and, you, and you're still a young guy. I mean, you know, thank goodness. You took all of these principles that you've been accumulating, and you're applying them to a very narrow niche. And that's what you're focused on. You're not trying to be the answer to everybody. How many people were on that two-hour call, Phil? Uh, one, two, three. Uh, there were six people total. Six people? Uh, three, three managing partners, two case managers, and two paralegals. Or, uh, yeah. no. Uh, yeah, but it was six total. No, so three, okay. three, essentially three attorneys, two case managers. Okay. I'm going to make this statement publicly. How many people can have the ability to hold six lawyers' attention for two hours? I mean, that's a more powerful thing than what they do for a living. Well, if you have something they want. That's right. Or they're interested in, I guess that's, that's right. the answer. There you go. There you go. So, but in order to put yourself in that position, Phil, it's nothing more than the release of all the accumulated experience that you've picked up over the last 15, 20 years, which is what the book is. There's your outline. 
You know, I'll never forget what, what I started my lawn mowing business, which grew to having three other kids working for me. I gave them all push carts with bicycle tires, bought them Jacobson front throw lawnmowers and edgers. I went out and sold the jobs. They did the work. But I'll never forget the first time I started knocking on doors to solicit my business. And I was an absolute jerk. I was a failure. I asked all the wrong questions, <laughs> you know, because I, well, actually what happened is I was talking because I thought I had everybody's answers. But I didn't ask the most important question that I learned quickly. Because these were brand new homes built in a community in the early 50s in Southern California. And the people just bought the homes and they didn't come landscaped and all that stuff. And I started saying, do you want a well-kept yard? <laughs> you know, I, instead of, hi, my name is Chuck and I do lawn maintenance. So, I, I you know, that's kind of a foolish, uh, dumb thing to say, but it started working for me. When I was selling newspapers door to door, getting the paper route built up, the, the best question was, are you currently reading the best news available out of Los Angeles? That's the question. And, and, and well, I don't know. Well, I deliver the Herald Examiner on your doorstep at 3.15 every afternoon. Would you like to try a sample? So these are the same things, Phil, you've been doing all this time. You just fine-tuned it, got it better. That's a story. I didn't know that. Whoa. <laughs> I guess my next question is, so that makes sense, but how, how do you start? Because I feel like that's got to, I can't, I can't imagine I'm the first person to ask that question. How do you, what are the first words you write on the page? Well, I'm gonna have our I'm gonna have our audience answer. Uh, Karen recommends, <laughs> although you'll change it after you do it, is once upon a time. And I'm not and I'm dead serious. Uh, actually uh, I like to tell other writers the hardest word sentence to write in your book is the first one, and the second hardest is the last one. Mm -hmm. And don't worry about writing the perfect first word because after you finish that first draft, that imperfect first draft, you're going to go back and you're going to change the heck out of it. And so whatever you write down on the first sentence really doesn't matter because it's probably not going to survive the light of day. If it gets you to write the second sentence, it served its purpose. Beautiful. No, I like that. I like that as far as like once upon a time or, you know. Okay, finish that sentence yeah, right that's, here live that's exactly on the radio. Yeah, it. And, 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 and I'm serious. Just get that first sentence down and don't try to make it perfect because that's the key to procrastination and not really getting started because this first sentence isn't perfect and I can't go on to the second until it, it, it you're not going to finish. You're not even going to get to the third or fourth sentence. Uh, what you need to do is just write and realize that when you get it all down, you're going to rearrange it, you're going to polish it, and then it will emerge. Beautiful. Just for fun, Phil, here's a challenge. 
Lou told you what the first sentence is. If you loudly proclaimed on this show, once upon a time, and added something to finish that sentence, let's hear it. Once upon a time. Well, once upon a time, my dad told me that he started a business. And oh, here's beautiful. what I learned. Beautiful. That's the start of your book. You just started. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was <laughs> not joking when I said that. Yeah. No, I know that, that. Wow, that that really helped because I think that's the barrier that I've been avoiding. Well, I tell you what, everybody remember Lewis McIntyre, M C I N T Y R E dot com, because that's how Lou started writing history. How do you start writing history? Once upon a time, there was this crazy Roman captain who sailed the ship. I know I'm taking a lot of literary license there, Lou, but, but, you know, how, how do you start writing about ancient Roman history? How does how did Nancy start writing about her relationship when she met her husband as young kids in high school? Well, it basically was once upon a, once upon a time I went to X high school and I met this guy because my brother was his friend. I mean, and and Brianna, the, Brianna's book on intentivity, Joanne Nesbitt, once upon a time, there was a sailor on a destroyer or on a submarine. That's how it all started. And everybody on this call has either totally completed or have 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 in progress books that had to start with that first sentence once upon a time and uh, I'm, I'm excited phil because you have a story to tell that right now is timely especially with all of this emphasis and i still believe ladies and gentlemen we are not going to get back to the same system of commerce and the same system of business development that we have been used to for the last 75 or 100 years. I honestly believe we know that prior to this coronavirus thing, the independent contractor, the work from home people. You know, today, people, I, I believe there's going to be businesses that don't bring people back, but keep them on the payroll. Because some of the people I know that are having their employees work from home are getting more production than they ever did when they came into the office. So we're going to be, we're yeah. going to see it. Go ahead. No, actually, go ahead. I'm, I'm checking out at the grocery store. It's keeping oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, so what, what's, what's going to happen is what Phil has a booked about might be the primer for somebody that he doesn't know today, a young man or a young lady or an old man or an old lady who want to make a change in their life and capitalize on their experience, capitalize on the knowledge they have or want to gain more knowledge. How-to books, I don't think, will ever lose their position. There's so many poorly written how-to books. It's, it's like there's these webinars. I have to say this. 
Phil goes to webinars. He conducts webinars. Josh, <laughs> Jeff Beeman goes to webinars. I, I believe also Joanne has been to a few, Brianna. I went to one yesterday. The man had a great headline. I went to his website. I read the stuff he was talking about. I went to the webinar. After about five minutes, I left. I kept the volume on, but I moved on with my eyes somewhere else. And he was into that thing 25 minutes and never got to the point of what I went to that webinar about. He was going to have a breakthrough piece of information. If you got a breakthrough piece of information, break it through. That's just like sales pages. I'm not a fan of 20 mile long sales pages. Anyway, that that's my opinion. And maybe that's why I'm not the wealthiest man in the world. I don't know. But the the books, the webinars, I think to the point, get it rolling. Uh, Lou, what is your position on this tell versus, what is it, tell versus sell? No. In in writing, some of these groups are telling Yeah, tell me. versus, uh, show versus tell. Yeah, could, could you uh, clarify well, that for it me? It has to do with uh, description, but no, I think uh, in terms of presentation, you're, you're right on. I did an awful lot of briefing in the Navy, uh, often to some fairly... Uh, people with a whole lot of stars on their collar and um, uh, the point is you get it organized I like to say first off what's the purpose why why are you here listening to me mm-hmm. the purpose of this briefing is to and get that one out first uh, then tell them what you're gonna tell them tell them and then at the end, tell them what you told them. Yeah, and, and I love that. And that goes back to what Chuck was saying about webinars, that it's like, dude, like, it's okay if you have a brief introduction of yourself. That's fine. So people know who you are, list your credibility. But, you know, like what you said, you're like, you know, if I'm in front of a bunch of generals with stars, they already know who I am. <laughs> or they don't or care. Me. Yeah, yeah, or they don't care. They just want to know what they don't know. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they want to know whether they need to excuse themselves to uh, more important business. Yeah. So that goes into my next question about books. Then, you know, what? What? How do you anticipate length of a book? You know, because what if I can tell somebody in one page that I, that some other people might take. 200 pages to say. Which one would they rather read? A one-page? Would, would you rather read a one-page solution or a 20-page solution? Well, it depends on what gives me the best result. <laughs> but you won't know until you find out. <laughs> yep. I, uh, I, but, but as far as writing, what I heard, and, and Lou and everybody else on this call can back this up, the book, the book's length is based on when it's finished. Yeah. These, pe- these people on these groups saying, I wrote 20,000 words. Am I done? I don't know. Did you finish the story? Yeah. 
I had kind of that problem with the eagle and the dragon because uh, I think if you've read it, you know that it's a long story. Yes, it is. And as a first-time author, uh, the recommended length is around 100,000 words. Mm-hmm. And the eagle and the dragon is, is 240,000. Okay. But it hasn't hurt the sales a bit. Yeah. No, the, the the story, I, I believe the story, I mean, you know, when when does life, oh, well, there's just a whole bunch of philosophical things to talk about here. But I wouldn't concern, if I was writing, Phil, now remember, I'm not the writer that the rest of our callers are. I'm the peddler. But it would seem to me that the length of the story is relevant to what you have to say. Someone else may be able to sell, say it in a shorter period of time, but some of these people who embellish sentences to add words to satisfy an editor's concept, I, I think are missing a boat. And that happens an awful lot in writing, especially when you go to some of these groups. Well, well, yeah, and I can get that because it's like, you know, when I read J.R. Tolkien, I want that extended writing. Okay. You know, I want that. But when I want information, not necessarily how-to information, but something that's personal development where, you know, something like that where there's stories involved that help figure it out, I want it to be longer, but not too long to where it's just like yeah. overdrawn. Yeah, that I, I, uh, basically when you've made your point, you need to, you need to know when you quit, when to quit. And I think one good rule of thumb is you really want to uh, end your book leaving them wanting you to say more uh, than saying, oh, Jesus Christ, I thought he'd never get to the point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sounds like Chuck Bartok talking. Never gets to the point. (laughs) Oh, this has been fabulous. What are you ladies? Joanne and and Nancy's back uh, live with us. What are some of your input on this conversation? Uh, uh, About how long a book should be? Well, yeah, that and and getting started. I thought Lou was brilliant on getting started. How did you get started, Nancy? How did you start your first story? Um, uh, I just sat down and started writing. I mean, mine's a memoir. It's a little different than what Lou's writing. <laughs> uh, uh, I missed a lot. I'm sorry. My grandkids came by as a drive uh, by outside, and I had to go out there. She called me to come out and talk to them at, at, from a distance for a oh, few okay. minutes. I hadn't seen them in about four weeks. So, uh, oh, no. I, I decided to do that. So I'm, I'm stuck here. Uh, first of all, let's talk about length. I just read one by Lou that was not lengthy and, and uh, it was it awesome. Was. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, uh, it, and I know he's historical, so I think I learned a lot about Pilate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, he also has written one that's very lengthy and, and I'm kind of like anyone. I don't like a lot of flair in there. Don't throw big words and, and junk at me because um, I don't 
I don't want to spend time in the dictionary. I, I want to get to the point. And sometimes I like mystery, so I will, you know, uh, don't take me too long to get there. You know what? I mean? mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I think anything uh, can be. Uh, it's like uh, with poetry. I write short, short poems. Other people write very lengthy poems with really, you know, flashy, flary words. I don't. Um, I think that. Uh, uh, there's something for everybody, but I, I'm I'm I I don't I'm kind of like you. If they say they've gotten so many words, is that enough? Anything's enough if you got if you had a beginning, you filled the middle with with knowledge, and then you ended it with a good. Well, I like good endings, but our sometimes surprise is good. Mm -hmm. uh, Lou surprised me in that little book. The ending. Uh, I thought I knew where it's going, but I was glad to see it went there. Anyway, um, but as far as uh, what else did you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were busy. Well, actually, uh, actually, actually uh, I have another question. Sorry, while it's on my mind, um, this is for everybody, but definitely you as well. I'm like, I'm kind of the weirdo in my family where. I don't read a lot. Um, I consume information way better via audio. Mm -hmm. So the thought of writing kind of boggles my mind. Have you guys ever come, like, I don't even know how, that, I think that's another one of my hurdles is, you know, my brother, sister, my wife, my mom, they read like three books a week and I'll read like one book a year. So right, but how many write. how many do you listen to? Yes. Uh four or five a week. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. Uh I I would recommend developing if you're gonna write, develop a taste for reading because mm -hmm. that's the best way to learn how to write. Because you will read some people that really shouldn't be writing. That they can't serve as a bad example. Right. Very good. Very okay, good. I think you have to know the audience that you're trying to trying to read, um, trying to get the book to. Um, like I know my audience, PTSD. They they don't they don't have long attention spans. Um, and if I would have went on and on and on, I'd have lost a lot of them. Um, so I kept it short. Um, right. Just because the audience was uh, a significant um, audience that I didn't feel had the, the capability of, of reading a lengthy, lengthy chapter. So well, I, I, I think it all depends. I'd like to com com I comment a minute on Joanne's book. One of the things that appealed to me is you know her book is published as fiction but we know differently but it is an easy read mm -hmm. and you don't get lost in the weeds with her book because each chat and by the way phil you can read her book online on her website okay or you can buy it and she may do a narration someday we don't know but we are her book has a powerful message but it's done succinctly and it's a story it's it's a great story 
It goes from A to B to C. It has tension, and it's a military story. And it has to do with battles. But I just want to bring that up because because Joanne's presentation is different than Nancy's in some ways. Another thing, Chuck, is with uh, reading the book uh, instead of listening to the audio. And audio, even my own, I have... I know how I want to emphasize that sentence. And in a book, it might not be written that way. That's right. Uh, and so you learn by reading uh, books how how you emphasize different sentences as you're going through there and, and, and try to at least. You know, I have Grammarly to keep me on track now. But uh, I noticed that... that uh, if you read my poems and listen to the audios or even some of the other things, you will find more emphasis that I put on certain things. Uh, and that may not be exactly uh, done. The sentence may not emphasize that as much. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking hey, about? Chuck, can I tell you one story? So, Sorry. Nancy, are you finished? Yes. Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, come can on in. Can I just in. tell you one can I sure. tell you one short story? Um, you know, with this stupid virus going around, um, Nancy and I have been on the phone laughing our heads off because um, I've been I've, I've been <laughs> in my closet cleaning for four days. And um, it's, it's really been, it's a funny thing. However, um, I did buy this book and it was an audio, they sent me the audio instead of the actual book. It's called um, The Eyes of Darkness by Dean Koontz. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you read it. But in there, he names Wuhan, China, as the start. This was written in 1981, as the start of the virus mm -hmm. and what it did. It was really eye-opening. So um, for anyone who haven't read it, uh, The Eyes of Darkness. The Eyes of Darkness. Yes, uh -huh. by Dean Koontz. Very, very strange book. <laughs> I mean, not strange, but a kind of eye-opening, eye-opening. Well, there's there's also another guy uh, that put out a book, and I think I, I might be wrong here. I don't know if you're on that side or not, Chuck, but he put it out in either 2013 or 2018, and it was about a a um, pandemic started in China that was a virus, and he said that book, you know, it, it came. It, it was just amazing to me with that. And I asked him, I said, this wasn't a premonition, was it? And he said, well, I couldn't sleep until I sat down and wrote it. I don't know. I said, I don't want to hear that. And, and then the other, the other thing along that same line, the on Amazon Prime, you can watch the movie Pandemic that was made, I believe, three years ago or four years ago. Maybe so. Yeah. And there's a lot there's a lot of similarities in that. Real quick, a quick uh, we're going to leave here in just a moment. It's 4:30. I want to leave everybody. Uh, Nancy mentioned a book by our good friend Lou McIntyre, and I want everybody to know the name of that book, which can be found on Amazon. Come follow me. A story of Pilate and Jesus. Not only is the book well-written, it's, it's an intriguing story, historical piece. It's timely, obviously, mm -hmm. in the Holy Week right now. Many of us cannot meet with our congregations, our, our communities, our, our, uh, our church communities. Uh, you know, I don't care what religion it is. 
Uh, synagogues are empty. Uh, Christian churches are empty. Catholic churches are empty. Uh, anyway, come follow me. A story of Pilate and Jesus. I encourage anybody listening to this show today and tomorrow and in the, the future to take a take a look at that book. It's a quick read, but it leaves you with an interesting uh, interesting slant on things. And I really thank Lou for doing that. Uh, Lou, did you, were you coming in, Lou? Uh, I I appreciate that. Well, it's well deserved, sir. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate it. I got a call just about the time you were doing it, and thank you, Nancy, for that nice write-up on there. That was actually my first book that I wrote before The Eagle and the Dragon, and it's got the Chensey self homemade uh, uh, cover on it. Yeah, and it hardly sells. Uh, so yeah. I do appreciate helping me find the audience for that book because it, it's a great book. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's an interesting story about what the meaning of salvation. Right. Through the through the eyes of Lou, isn't it true? It's through the eyes of which. You know, through the eyes of blank, I'm not filling it in, which is very uh, similar to what we were helping Phil. Uh, once upon a time, Phil's dad, and the rest of the story is through his eyes how he went through the transition to be where he is today. And I think that's that's what's so phenomenal. Uh, that's the way you write your history too. I, I love that. And uh, by the way, Lou said it's not the big seller. I think it has nothing to do with the cover, <laughs> personally, oh. because when you buy on Amazon, the cover doesn't drag you. It's what the blurb says. Now, here, here's what will bring people in. When two Roman soldiers are relieved of their watch on Sunday morning, they are as surprised as the oncoming watch to find they have been standing in front of an open and empty tomb. Yes, that was good. Yet, yet, this is just one more crisis for Pontius Pilate, racked by guilt over his dishonorable act and puzzled by the political intrigues and mysterious forces. That blurb grabs me. If I was... Hey, hey Chuck, yes. Chuck, can, can you post that on Facebook, please? Yeah, yeah, I will. Th what, thank you. Okay. Uh, you mean the link to the book? The, that quote. Oh, that quote. Yeah, yeah that yeah. quote is, yeah, that that is on the Amazon link. Uh, if I had your email, I would send you the Amazon link. Well, uh, I was about to ask, and I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you too much, Chuck, because I know you're trying to wrap this up. <laughs> but uh, number one, um, I would like to write my first page this week, kind of make that my goal. Okay. Um, okay. Number two, I would like to potentially have, be able to send that to Chuck, you, Lou, um, Nancy, um, with some, be nice, critical cri criticism. <laughs> um, and, and Chuck, if you're somebody, if you could post that, Oh, no, Chuck, I just got your message with that quote. I just love that quote. Lou, yes. is that your quote? 
That is yes, yes. That's wow. the blurb on the book in Amazon. That is awesome. I love that. And I'll shut up. Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, Chuck, what I like yeah. about that, and I've got to tell Lou, is he made the characters from the Bible real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with their thoughts and, and actually meetings and things. What you added to it was a reality of you could just be in the room. Uh, yeah. uh, I can't I can't say enough about that. And uh, mm-hmm. I tried to write a good um, uh, review for you on Amazon. I don't know when it'll show up, but uh, well, I, I'll uh, tell you what. What you put up on Facebook would do just fine. <laughs> just copy. Okay. And paste. I, I, I wrote one on Amazon on Amazon first, and and I put it up there. Hopefully, I, I may have to go back and read it, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I was very moved. I read that on Palm Sunday afternoon, and uh, I was very moved by that. Um, yeah. I, I can't wait to read your other book now, and I I know when I started, I'm not going to put it down. I'm a sometimes read all night person if I'm into a book really good. <laughs> well, legal but right now I'm into episodes. Huh? Eagle and the Dragon will keep you up late. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Lou. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, by the way, uh, Phil Sanko, there is no ugly criticism. There's only constructive. And, and, and the thing is, is you've got to realize that any other author that, that gives you criticism or constructive criticism, as I call it, a help, they do it from their that who they are as a writer and it and and you still got to go through that and find yourself as a writer okay um i see people put up uh covers to books and people they'll ask which one what do you think oh my god uh they (laughs) open up a thing to ugly to 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 change everything or move this and that and actually, you've got to kind of know what you are looking for before. I was lucky and had a young man in Anthony that he knew me. He, for some reason, knew who I was from talking to me a couple of times. And he picked the perfect uh, covers. Um, I haven't been disappointed with any of them. They're different. Uh, they may not draw anybody, but they're me. So uh, just remember that, Phil. And I know you have a sense of humor, so don't forget to use it, okay? I don't know what you're going to be writing about, but. Oh, yeah, sense of humor is important. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, hey, listen, I really enjoyed everybody being with us. Brianna, I see you came back alive. Uh, did you have something <laughs> parting shot to, to say before we close off the recording, Brianna? <laughs> um. Well, you know, like about maybe 20 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) to whatever was relevant then. But the young man that keeps asking questions, I just want to say it's, it's a creative process. You just have to get in there. Like everybody has said, and just get in there and let your creativity take over and take your voice. Let your voice take over. I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with creativity. Oh, well, John, not in that genre. Scared, scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's scared of the creative process. It's still a creative process. 
whether you want to think of it that or not, it still Fine. is. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was to the audio part of the your your questions. I think Chuck actually actually speaks into a microphone, don't you? When I do a lot of it. speech. I do a lot of speech to text. I use a software that in a very short period of time understands my inflections, all the commas and semicolons and so on seem to be in the place. I still have an opportunity to read it and then go back again. But because of a, a you know, I just, it's not a, it's not a handicap or anything, but I do have a disconnect many times between my brain and my hands, fingers. So I found that I, even though I'm staring at the keyboard, I still type things backwards. But when I speak, it's easier for me to speak my thoughts than it is to write my thoughts. And I have a gentleman right now, another Vietnam vet, who has a wonderful book, and he just has absolutely zero capability of typing, okay, for reasons. And he is learning speech to text, and it's really working. He just sits back in his easy chair and talks his chapters and it's amazing is there work to be done afterwards yes but i am a fan of speech to text for some people and thank you for bringing that up brianne if anybody's interested in the program i use drop me a p uh, email or pm and i i don't need to put a long uh, link out there now but i i'll be more than happy to share it it's a wonder it's it's both for mac or uh what do you what do you call the other thing pcs and uh, uh, it's, you know, it's it's a hundred dollar piece of software. It's worth every penny of it. So anyway, thank you very much, Brianna, for saying that. Okay. Uh, and I can put in a bid for one other thing, too, for uh, uh, those who are writing, because I uh, is uh, Microsoft Word has the ability to read your text back to you. And it's got a very well-inflected voice and it is a heck of an editing tool because you will spot things when it's read back to you that you will not mm -hmm. catch when you're mm -hmm. reading right oh yes yes thank you for that too okay i'm going to hit the record button but i want everybody to be aware of the fact the room stays open till the last cow go not last cow the last the last member that I heard. <laughs> That's terrible. You see, that, that is not terrible. We, we, we've, we've become so bad that I'm worried about using the word cow, and cow is a standard, a standard <laughs> word in our house. So get, get out there and get them cows in, you know. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is Chuck Bartok saying thank you all for joining us. I hope and pray that everyone that I'm speaking to and that listens to this today, tomorrow, in the future stays healthy. Please uh, follow some of the not difficult ways that uh, have been promoted for us to stay safe <laughs> and, and healthy. And, and yes, the room will stay open. <laughs> Goodbye, all. <laughs> You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.